We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Welcome everybody to Redemption Church. Glad to be with every one of you. My name is Chris Fluitt. We are right in the middle of our series called Peace of Mind. I want to talk to you today about a friend of mine. And when I do that, it's normal to try to wonder who that friend is. I don't want you to wonder who that friend is. I don't want you to spend any time about that. The chances are very good you don't know this friend at all. This friend is nowhere in the room. This friend does not attend this church. But I've talked to this friend and they wanted to speak into your life today. And I hope that you let them because they have a lot to teach us. I have a friend who is a great person. I don't know anyone who does not like being around my friend. Not a single person. Nice, warm, personable, knowledgeable, generous, encouraging, and fun. All of this describes my friend. My friend is someone who is great at ministry, especially great at Bible study. They have helped many people with their faith questions by talking one-on-one, as well as talking to groups of people at one time. My friend is great at greeting people, really good at it. They are the perfect person to put at the front of any church to greet the visitor because they're going to put so much energy into meeting each person and take an authentic care of meeting each person. This is my friend. And the people who meet my friend would have no idea that very often they had to make a conscience choice just to get out of bed. And while you might see their smile and you might see their energy, you may not realize that they have given you all the energy that they had sometimes. And after their encounter with you, they have to go straight home and lay down in bed and try to recover. On the outside, just a gigantic, friendly Smile on the inside. Feelings of sadness. Darkness. And at times, hopelessness. On the outside, everybody sees my friend. They say, why can't I be more like them? We go through our problems and then we think... We think of a picture of a person that's got it together with Christ. This is one of those people you would think of. You say, why can't I be more like this person? But on the inside, scars and a history of battling suicidal thoughts and years of struggle. My friend is in a battle with depression. For someone who hasn't 
experience depression, they may be dismissive. They may offer suggestions like, ah, stop worrying so much. Cheer up. Brother, sister, you just need to pray more. Have faith. Shake it off. My friend would tell you today that depression is not just discouragement or sadness. It's not just a valley that they're walking through. Depression can be a lack of feeling. It can be a lack of motivation. It can even be a lack of hope. Depression is able to take away the joy of doing your favorite activities. I want you to, for a moment, imagine the activity you are always down for. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. I know with Marshall, it is watching the Phantasm series all the way from start to finish. Every time. What's, recently, I got into pickleball, and I've got an, an itch for playing pickleball. Like, I have trouble not thinking about it at all times. I'm, like, into pickleball, right? Uh, <laughs> hiking. Pickleball is not a food. It's a sport. All right. Uh, hiking. Uh, I, I am always down to spend time with my kids and play a very theological game called Pokemon Go. Watching a good movie. These are activities I am always down for. Now, imagine not wanting to do that activity. You, you couldn't care less. Jesus. And you aren't even sure why. I don't know what it is. You might say, I'm just not feeling myself today. What is it? You might describe it as, a, I'm just feeling a little off today. I'm in a funk. I just not, my heart's not in it today. But really, this is all a sign that you are battling depression. Today we're talking about depression and there's a lot to talk about. Here's some stats. There are over 300 million people battling depression worldwide. That was in 2017 stat. I bet it's higher today. What do you think? The median age of depression is 32 years old. That's the average age. Think of a 32 year old. That's the average age, people struggling with depression. 8.7% of all women, 5.3% of all men have depression. Nearly 50% of those diagnosed with depression also have an anxiety disorder. They feed one into another. Although treatable, y'all listen to those words, treatable. There are things you can do about depression. Although treatable, 35% of adults receive no treatment for their depression. They just go through it alone. You can picture what that would look like. Well, I'd, they don't understand it themselves. Let's shift gears a little bit from stats here. Let's talk about the church. Because the church of Jesus Christ ought to be the safest place to talk about depression. It ought to be, right? However, let's get real. Let's, let's earn this and 
wear it. The church does not have a history of being a safe place to talk about depression or mental health problems or many struggles. The church is not a safe place. Instead, many people feel misunderstood. They feel judged. They feel ashamed. They feel guilty. So they just shut their mouth. They're just quiet about it. They continue to uh, try to come when they can and put on the smile that just lets people know that they're fine. When someone has the bravery to bring up their struggle, they are often met with a dismissive tone. Listen, here's the thing about being dismissive. I I really don't think most Christians mean to be dismissive. I don't think so. I just think we don't know how to handle it. Sometimes we're met with questions and we go, I don't know how to handle that, so I won't act like it's a big deal. Sometimes we meet people that are brave enough. Imagine how brave to open up and say, this is my struggle. This is where I'm messed up. This is where I'm broken. This is where I'm hopeless. This is where I'm struggling in my face. faith. And we are dismissive of it. Think for a second a little bit. I'm making you think a little bit. Thank you all for not saying, he's making me think today I'm going to leave. Thank you for staying. But imagine you're at Connect Group. You're at Connect Group. Wonderful time at Connect Group. You've just eaten pizza. You're sitting down. You're talking. And somebody opens up and they share that they have a terrible pain in their body. What would you suggest? You would suggest, of course, you'd suggest we'll pray for them. But you also might suggest maybe you should see a, a doctor. Very, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? Or how about somebody opens up and says, by the way, I have broken both my tibula and my femur five minutes ago. I hurt myself trying to get that last piece of pepperoni. I still ate it. What would you suggest to that person at that point? We should go to the hospital. You need a surgeon. You need something going on. If somebody brings up, you know, these very physical, everybody say physical. These physical elements, we're like, well, let's do something right now about that. Let's, let's get on. Let's get chop, chop. Let's do this. However, if someone says they're battling depression, we might not take it as seriously as we should. We might tell them, just stay positive. Or we might imply, without saying it, I don't know anybody that would say it, but they might be implying Maybe you ought to just keep that, keep that to yourself. We're shiny, happy people holding hands. That's a little too real. Somebody got that song. You don't know that? Is it R.E.M.? Shiny, happy people holding hands. They were very much describing fake people. Oh, church, let's not be shiny, happy people. Let's be blood, sweat, and tears people ready to go to the floor in a battle for anybody's heart, for anybody's future, for anybody's marriage, for anybody's children. Let's be those people. 
Depression is one of the biggest mental health issues. And let's just decide right now. We're going to stop being dismissive of it. If somebody opens up to you and says, I am struggling in this area of depression. Let's say, hey, let's talk more about that. If we don't have time to talk about it right now, that, that's, let's sit down and talk about that. I want to hear you. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to have coffee with you. We'll talk about that. We're not going to be dismissive anymore of such things. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Proverbs 12, 25. I have found that the word of God can make me happy. And it can also make me angry. At the same time. Is that too real for anybody? The word of God can make me absolutely, whoo, yeah, happy. And it can make me like, easy for you to say God. And sometimes it's in the same verse. And I think we have one verse like that a little bit tonight. It's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. And I'm going to read in the New King James Version. It says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Read it one more time. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. So I'm happy with this verse because it addresses an important topic. It even draws the conclusion that anxiety feeds depression. But it also might make us a little angry, this verse. Because it makes the topic maybe seem a little oversimplified. You might be offended at the idea... That a good word makes the heart glad. You might not want to hear that. Because your heart has been trampled on. Your heart feels like it's full of shards of broken stuff. And it's hard to imagine magic words making you feel better. You might want to scream even. It's not that simple. If that's where you are today, you feel that way. Own it. Own it. Go ahead and feel that way. However, I do want to remind you that I did not pick up a self-help book from Half Price Books and put it a word up here from it. No, I went to the very Word of God. The Bible. The never failing word of God. A truth that endures for all generations. Do you realize that means it's a truth for people 6,000 years ago? It's a truth for people today. It's a truth for unending generations in the future. That's what it claims of itself. So I pray tonight, I've, I've been praying, I've been in prayer, that a good word from God's word yes. will change your heart tonight. Could you just say that one in your heart right now? God, let your word change my heart. Let your word bring happiness to this heart of mine. 
Let your word make the difference in Jesus' name. I'm not an expert on mental health, but all experts agree on what I'm about to tell you. Here it is. It's really not complicated, except it is complicated. (laughs) Depression is complex. That's what they'd agree on. The depression's really complicated. It's, it's a real, it is not a one size fit all issue. No. It is a different struggle for many people. And just because you get two people in the same room that struggle with depression, they might have handled it completely differently. It does not discriminate. One of the things that make it really complex, it doesn't discriminate. It can attack anyone at any time and and bring them right down. There are times people go from being on top of the mountaintop. I mean, they win a championship. They win an award. They win the promotion. They get married. They have a baby. They have all these high mark moments. And right then, they're drug under by a depression. Because it doesn't discriminate. Can I tell you, depression will come after a Christian. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you might not struggle with a depression. It's a complex issue, not one size fits all, does not discriminate. I want to tell you four root causes for, of depression, four root causes. It could be any one of these four. It could be a combination of these four, but they are on the screen. Biological, relational circumstantial and spiritual real quick biological it could be a chemical imbalance going on in your brain your very thoughts are influenced by chemicals in fact your thoughts are actually a chemical and electrical exchange do not tell the electric charging you for thinking your your biological Reason for depression could be a chronic pain that you can't get away from. There are people that are actually told that they will always be in pain. And they've just, the doctors have no answer for them. And they will tell them, the only thing you can do is somehow learn to cope with that pain. And living in that pain, biologically, can bring a person to depression. Nutritional deficits. We're talking your vitamin D might have something to do with depression. Hormonal changes. We mentioned postpartum depression. Like just having a child. You're flooded with all these hormones and your body's like, whoa! And that can send you into a postpartum depression. A lack of sleep. A lack of exercise a lack of sunlight. There are many things biologically in your body that can cause depression. Relational. Your relationship issues can trigger a depression. Betrayal. Someone really close to you just stabbed you in the back. A person you love hurts you. And when a person you love hurts you, it hurts all the worse. Rejection. Divorce, the isolation of the COVID pandemic, it saw a rise in depression through its lack of relational growth in people. 
biological, relational. How about this one? Circumstantial. They're experiencing death, uh, a loss, a trauma. Maybe something happens like bankruptcy that can cause depression. Sometimes you go through stages of life and it's really interesting because some people think retirement, that's going to be so good. Oh, I'm spending my entire life planning for retirement. They get to retirement and they go, what do I do? Who am am I now? What what do I do now? And they go, boom, right into a depression. Empty nesters. Do you know what empty nester is? It's, It's when those little birds fly out of your house and suddenly your house that was full of children is no longer full of children. And you go, what do we do now? And that can bring a depression that's circumstantial. And then fourth, spiritual. Your depression a spiritual attack. I believe that absolutely. That is possible. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness. It could be spiritual. But these are four root causes for depression. If you're struggling with depression, you need to find the root of the problem. And you need to start addressing that. I have seen situations where it was a spiritual issue and God delivered them. I've seen some people, God delivered them on the moment. It was a spiritual issue and God set them free in a moment in an altar a lot like this one. In a church service, a lot like this one. In a prayer time, a lot like the one we're going to have at the end of service. I've seen it and I thank the Lord for it. And I, you can never get me not to believe in what God did in some people I've seen. I've absolutely seen it. But I've also seen situations where it was a chemical imbalance. And it required medication to help them balance the hormones and, and the chemicals that were going on in their brains. I've seen that too. So I've seen God heal depression, but I've also seen Christians faithfully fight depression day after day, step after step. My friend once called me and asked me if, it, if, if they would be unfaithful And displeasing to God if they took medicine for their depression. They really took a while to ask that question. They were like leading up to that question. They were worried about this question. I want to give you my answer to my friend. I told them Jesus is Lord. Can you say those words? Jesus is Lord. Those are such important words. You know that the Bible says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except that the Spirit of God is working in them. Jesus is Lord. It's essential for your salvation to understand that Jesus is Lord. More than just pronouncing it, you have to make Him Lord. And so I I broke it down with my friend. I said, friend, is Jesus Lord over the physical? My friend said, absolutely. God can do anything. He can heal physical issues. If it is a physical issue, He is Lord over it. We're going to surrender it to Him. And should He heal it, great. If He doesn't heal it, we're going to trust Him. 
What about the spiritual? If it's a spiritual issue in your life. Is Jesus Lord over the spiritual? Is there any demon that's too big for God? My friend said, no, absolutely. Jesus is Lord over the spiritual. So if this is a spiritual issue, we're going to trust God. We're going to make him Lord over it. We're going to trust in the Lord. What if it is mental? Is Jesus Lord over the mental? My friend said, yes, he's, he's Lord over the mental. So if it's a mental issue that, that God will fix or, or sort out, God, he's Lord over that. But if it's also a mental issue that you have to walk with him through the valley of the shadow of death, through struggle and through night seasons, Jesus. make him Lord in that. My friend said, yes, I agree. And last, it, it's chemical, whatever's going on in your brain. Is Jesus Lord over that too? Is Jesus Lord over the things you don't understand? My friend said, yes, Jesus is Lord. See, it is our job to make Jesus Lord over every part of our life. Over every part. We make Him Lord over the physical. And when we see Jesus heal in the physical, we say, praise God, and we testify. And we've seen that. And we do testify. And we believe in it. Every time, every time, I promise you, I've seen God heal so much that anytime somebody comes up for prayer, for a physical need, I believe in a miracle for a physical need. Every time I believe it. However, sometimes we pray for a miracle and we don't have it. That also happens. That also happens. Yes, it does. We may continue to struggle with our physical issues. You know what you do in that situation? You praise God. You praise Him still. And you testify that He is still Lord. And He is still your help. Let me tell you, He is not your Lord if He's only Lord when you're healed. He's also Lord when I'm sick. He's also Lord when I'm confused. He's also Lord in the nighttime. He's also Lord in the belly of the whale. He is Lord in the lion's den. That attitude of those Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they looked up at that King Nebuchadnezzar. Anybody remember what they said? They said, the Lord God will deliver us. Part not quoted enough is this. But if he doesn't, we will not bow. We will not worship any God but the true God. Do you realize what they were saying there? They said, live or die, miracle or funeral, he is Lord. That's what they were saying. He is Lord. Someone in the room, someone watching online tonight, someone watching years later, you might be delivered Right now. If you are delivered right now, praise God, testify, He is Lord. If you are not delivered right now, praise God, testify, 
and have the help of your Lord to walk towards a better life. Amen. You understand this? Yeah. You understand? Hallelujah. Yes, God. My friend, he tried to tried to take medicine. It wasn't the answer. I'm also tell you this that, that medicine, it's really difficult figuring all that medicine out. And sometimes that medicine can be the answer. Sometimes, and I think most, I, I don't want to be in trouble here, but I, I just want to tell you, I think a lot of doctors will tell you, sometimes medicine's not the answer for people. Sometimes it is you need a better diet. Sometimes it is some other things to those things. What I am saying is it's a complex issue. There's, there's four things up here that it could be. It could be biological. It could be relational. It could be circumstantial. It could be spiritual. But Jesus is Lord over all of those things. And even if you have to walk through this struggle, make him Lord. Somebody say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I want to talk to you about a depressed prophet. Real quick, can you guess who the, the depressed prophet is? Uh, it's... Y'all just knew that. Y'all are so good. Yeah, it doesn't ever say that Jeremiah is depressed. But if you read it, I'm just going to tell you, I think the dude was depressed. And he had every reason in the world to be depressed. And we're going to be turning to Lamentations 3. And we're going to be reading as much of that chapter as we can handle. Because it's tough. It's a tough chapter. If you ever feel you have dark thoughts. Jeremiah's like, hold my beer. I've got some dark thoughts. I wrote them down for you in Lamentations chapter 3. The prophet Jeremiah, he had seen some depressing things. He saw the temple destroyed. That's God's house. That represented where God's presence was. That represented salvation. That represented the place you went for all your sins to be washed away. That represented the promise that Messiah was going to come one day back to the world, to the world, to the world. The, the answer for all of us. And that, that temple, whoop, gone, ripped, where it was nothing left. And he saw, he looked around, he saw people enslaved. He runs for his life. He turns around, he sees people being caught, put in chains, and they're whipped, and they're drug away in lines of chains to a foreign land called Babylon. He sees friends, he sees family brutally murdered right in front of them. He saw the worst of human suffering. He saw it. And that's the backdrop of what he says in Lamentations 3. Beginning at verse 1, he says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned... His hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He, who is he? Very good. God, the Lord, he has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long 
dead. He has walled me in. So I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call or cry for help. He shuts out my prayer. Dear God, please. God, if you could. Just walled me out. Of my every call and my every cry. Verse 9. He barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. The scripture goes on and on with dark verse after verse. There was not a light, pretty, flowery verse anywhere here. Everyone agree? He was battling depression. Going through the battle of depression. He felt dark. He felt lonely. He felt hopeless. I guess he was no longer a man of God. Wrong. He was battling depression and he was still a man of God. He was a prophet of God with the spirit of God upon him. But also loneliness in him. It can happen. It is possible. And just because you are struggling does not mean you are not a man or a woman of God. Jeremiah felt like he had no hope in that moment. He looked around, he saw no reason to hope. Everything was out of his control. He was broken, he was lost, he was disappointed, he was... Depressed. So I want to give you two truths. To remember. When you're battling. Depression. And it's going to take a little bit. Let it come as it comes. All right here it is. Number one. Your emotions are valid. And can I tell you. I was really struggling with writing that down. Because it's a tricky thing to say at church. But say this sentence out loud with me. Your emotions are valid. Right. We often say that we walk by faith and not by feeling. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Hang with me. We're going to come back to point one. Point two is this. Your situation feels hopeless. Say that sentence out loud. Your situation feels hopeless. I want to, I want to tell you something really quick. Both of these thoughts are true. But... They are incomplete. Listen. They are true. But they're incomplete. There's a little bit of more information. That has to complete. These thoughts. These thoughts are true. But there is more truth yet to be learned. Many people get stuck on what is true. But what is also incomplete. I want today to give you the complete truth about your battle of depression. So let's complete these truths. Let's start with that number one. Your emotions are valid, but they are not permanent. 
little bit completion to this thought. You see, it's absolutely true that your thoughts are valid, but it is also a more complete truth that your feelings are not permanent. Be careful making decisions based on your emotions. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen if you agree. Be careful. Woo, slow down. Well, I, I just feel so mad at that boss. There's no telling what I might do at work tomorrow. Be slow down. Calm down, right? Gosh, how dare my wife say this? I'm going to text her back. No, don't do it. Your feelings, your feelings might absolutely be valid, but feelings are changeable. Your emotions actually can change in a moment. It's amazing. And it is foolish to make permanent decisions based on changing emotions. So your emotions are valid, but they are not permanent. Now, number two, let's complete that idea. Your situation feels hopeless, but with God, there's always hope. Amen. Amen. That is the complete truth. You, you see, you have these things that are true. It would be wrong to tell you your feelings don't matter. That's not true. It would be wrong to tell you, nah, you're, you don't feel hopeless. That's wrong. What we need to do instead is complete that truth. We need the complete truth. Even when things hopeless, even when things feel hopeless, the very presence of our God brings hope. To feel his presence is to feel hope and to feel love and to feel like there is a life worth living. With God there is hope even when you feel hopeless. I want to talk about your emotions real quick. Your emotions are valid. Your emotions, they they matter. When you hurt, you should actually pay attention to your emotions. Now listen, this is one where the church has gotten it completely wrong. The church has often gotten this wrong. We've got a whole faction of Christianity that says, no, don't ever say you feel sick because that's not speaking faith. Don't ever say you're feeling angry. No, you should only say good and glowing things, even if they're not true. Just fake it till you make it. Just have have faith. I feel blessed and highly favored. like, I don't feel like that way at all. It's like, where's your face? Say it. <laughs> I mean, that's a thing. Somebody, somebody say, yeah, if you know what I'm talking about. No, you got to name it and claim it. And they'll say that. And then you're like, but, but, but my feelings are like, your faith is more important than feelings. And like, like we can talk about that. There's, there's a certain point to that. Faith is absolutely yeah, but yeah, important. But God gave me feelings. Do you know God gave you feelings? Your feelings are not to be ignored. So, you should name your emotions. You should say them out loud. You should, if you feel angry, you should say it. I feel angry. At least to yourself. In fact, I would recommend you say to yourself, I feel angry before you run in and just shoot out your mouth on your boss and say, I'm angry. 
Work through your emotions. Work through those emotions. I, I feel anxious. I feel betrayed. If you feel that way, you need to name it. You need to own it. And it doesn't make God a loser in this picture. It means you're coming to grips with your situation and how you feel. If you feel empty, if you feel numb, if you feel betrayed, these are your emotions and they matter. There was a scientific study that took place and they took people who were afraid of spiders. Raise your hand if you're afraid of spiders. I look absolutely stupid around a nice size spider. Wow. I think there was a movie starring William Shatner that I stayed up one night. Rebellious Chris Fluitt. He watched Kingdom of the Spiders. And ever since, he's been afraid of spiders. That's what you get for not honoring your father and mother and going to bed. Anyway, this scientific study, they took people who were afraid of spiders. And they brought them and they separated them into four groups. And they took one person at a time from every group and here's what they did they brought them into a room and of course they showed them a big scary hairy tarantula and they measured their physical response we're talking they put the probes on them they they measured their body temperature what is their heart rate what is what's going on with their oxygen levels just by walking into this room sitting at the table with this eight-legged monster and so they broke the people into four groups and every person from a group had an instruction. Here was number one, label what you're feeling when you see the spider. And so people sat there and they saw this spider behind a piece of plexiglass and that thing is looking at them walking around. They said, I am afraid. I am worried. I am concerned. <laughs> I am feeling nauseous. They just started to name their feelings. That was group one. Group two, they told them, make observations. Make observations. So those people said, well, I'm glad that the spider can't get to me. There's a piece of plexiglass there. And so I'm glad I know that that scary, awful spider I wish would die is at least separated from me. And third group, Say something irrelevant. Act like there's no problem at all. And say something that kind of changes the subject. So those people would be like, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain. They'd say, go cowboys. They would say, I think that Redemption Church is really awesome. I'd say that. <laughs> Great things to say. However, nothing to do with that spider irrelevant things and then the fourth thing they just told them don't say anything just take it in don't say anything at all and so those people left very confused and then they brought them back one week later one week later they brought all four groups back and they tried the exercise again without telling them to do anything and far and away the group of people that were best able to face their fear of that tarantula was the first group. Some of these people were able to actually touch and hold the tarantula. That was something they never thought 
they would be able to do. One week earlier, they never thought they would be able. But something transformed them over that time period. And a week later, they were able to come face to face with that tarantula and not live in fear. What was the difference? The difference was this. They spoke. They labeled. They named their emotion. They didn't ignore what they were feeling. They voiced what they were feeling. I want you to get this. Naming your emotions opens the door to changing your emotions. Naming your emotions opens the door to changing your emotions. That means if you don't like how you're feeling, you have to talk about how you're feeling. If you want to change the way you're feeling, you got to talk about the way you're feeling. you got to say those things out. I'm telling you, it could save a marriage if someone in that marriage would talk about the way they're feeling. It could save a relationship between a son and their parent if they would talk about the way they're feeling. If your faith issue is going unspoken, you need to have prayer time with God where you talk about your feelings because naming your emotions is not a loss. Naming your emotions doesn't make the enemy win and you lose. No, you're already living in fear. No, naming your emotions is a first step to changing them. So name your emotions, but realize they're temporary. And weren't they temporary one week to the next week with that first group? Yes, those emotions were temporary. Your emotions, name them and realize they don't always have to be that way. Do not make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Don't do it. When you feel afraid, you might quit on your marriage. Don't do it in that moment. That's such a permanent decision. Don't let your emotion that is so changeable dictate what you do that is so permanent. When you feel disappointed, you might quit on God. Don't do it. Your emotion can change. Instead, talk it out. Work it out. Do not make a permanent decision based on your feeling. And in the darkest time, I'm talking the worst time, you might feel like life is not worth living. That happens. People have felt that way. I want to tell you, you listen to me. Do not make a permanent decision and commit suicide based on an emotion that can change so quickly. Yes. Name your emotion and instead seek help. If you're going through thoughts of, of suicide and depression, please talk to someone. Let's talk it out. We do not judge you. We love you. We want you to live a long life as our friend. That's what we want. So get this picture that we feel our emotions, but we're not ruled by our emotions. We feel them. We realize they're there. We speak them out. We don't hide them in, in back closets. We openly feel our emotions. But at the same time, we don't let them rule over us. 
Your emotions are valid, but they are not permanent. Your situation feels hopeless, but with God, there is always hope. You may feel hopeless, but God is not dependent on your feelings. Aren't you happy about that? Oh, if only those people felt a little better. I think me as God, I could go down there and help them. (laughs) Right? You know, I really wanted to do something today, heal somebody, but you know... Jeremy just wasn't smiling enough. If he would have smiled some more, then God does not work that way. God is not dependent on how we feel and how we present. He is God all by himself. I remember an old gospel song. It says, God don't need no matches. He's fire all himself. That's just how God is. He doesn't need any help. He doesn't need, let me get some matches for you. No, he is a consuming fire. He is not dependent on you getting your attitude right. He's not dependent upon you getting a smile, mustering a smile. He is not dependent on you working through your secret addiction you don't think anybody knows about. God is God and he wants to work in your life when? Right now. Ask him to. Let him do it. Let him do it. So let's go back to that depressed prophet. What's his name? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. There is no reason to feel any hope in the physical for Jeremiah. Yet Jeremiah found hope. You know where he found it? He found it in God. Verse 21. We're talking, it's been a dark chapter. (laughs) Right? 1 through 20 was really dark. And then 21, this happens. He says, yet this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah called to mind. I really like that. There are some things we just need to call to mind. We got all this stuff going on. My gosh. We got what's going on in politics. We got what's going on in world wars. It looks like it could be. We got the economy. We got baseball season and the the Rangers lost seven in a row. I'm concerned. We've got all this stuff, right? All this stuff going on. But you just need to shut some of that off sometime and think for a moment about something that'll bring you hope. And he calls something to mind. He says, God's great love. He thinks about God's great love. No, wait a second. Is the pain no longer real? Oh, you bet it's real. He's thinking about God's love, but the pain's still real. Y'all get me? The emotions are still real. The heartache is still real. The death is still real. The emotions are valid, but not permanent. The complete truth was God's love did allow, did not allow Jeremiah to be consumed by everything around him. And that God's compassion, even in this depressing moment, did not fail. 
Your emotions are not permanent. God can bring you hope, love, peace, joy, healing. He can do all of that. Some of it has to do with you calling to mind the love, the joy, the peace of God. Call it to mind. But all this problem, that that excuse is not going to work. It didn't work with Jeremiah. He had all these problems. Don't wait for things to turn around to start thinking about the peace that comes from God. The love that you've experienced from God. What is next for you in your depression battle? I told you it's a complex issue. It's not one size fits all. But Jeremiah tells us this. Might make for a great next step. Verse 24, he said, I say to myself. So he's calling to mind. And now he's saying to himself. Do you see a little more action there? He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. Verse 26, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Jeremiah says to himself, all that he knows to be true about God. He takes a moment to think about what God has done in the past. And now he is taking those thoughts. He is saying them out loud. What he knows to be true about God. Jeremiah also names his emotions in this chapter. He did feel hopeless and he said it. He did feel dark and lonely and he said it. He did feel abandoned by God and he said it. You know what he did? He did both. He did both things. What both things? He said his emotions and how he felt, but he also said what he knew to be true about God. He did both. My friend has battled depression for years. There were times where I was afraid we would lose my friend to suicide. There was times in my life where my friend was so out of control. We did not know what the future was for this person we loved. But my friend learned to do both. My friend learned to pick up the phone and say, I'm feeling this way. Through almost hypochondriac breathing. And it was enough to freak me out. But in the middle of this freak out, my friend also said, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And at the time, I thought, my friend needs to stop saying that. I got it wrong. My friend needed to say it. And he needed me to listen. And while he said that, I'm so scared. He also said, but I know God loves me. I know he cares. The same hypocrite. He did like calm down to say that he was just as freaked out. He was just as worried, breathing erratically. But he did both. 
So did Jeremiah. I invite you today to do both. To name your emotions. And to also name what you know to be true about God. You don't have to be some grand theologian with some big words to say. No, just say this. Say what you know to be true. Say that Jesus loves me. Jesus went to the cross for me. Jesus hasn't given up on me. It's true. It's true. It's true. And your, your emotions, your emotions, they can be said as well. God, I'm scared. God, I'm worried. You could walk up to a friend and say, friend, I am just nauseous with fear. Do both. Do both. Name it. Name it because naming your emotions is the open door to changing your emotions. I invite you to say both today as I ask our musicians to come. I want you to say them out loud, your emotions. Tell God exactly how you feel. Be real with it. If you feel like crying, then you should absolutely cry. If you feel like being angry, then you should absolutely be angry. Just go ahead. You know, God can take that. God can handle that. <laughs> Find someone you confide in, can confide in and look them in the eye and tell them exactly how you feel. Do it tonight. Do it at a connect group. Do it over coffee. Do it wherever you feel safe enough to do it, but do it. But also, but also, listen, everyone, but also, I want you to name out loud. I want you to bring to mind and I want you to say out loud what you know to be true about your God. And say those things out loud. Name out loud what you know to be true about God. Where Jeremiah said, God, you are my portion. God, you are worth waiting for. God, you are trustworthy. God, your great love, God. Your unfailing compassion. I am not consumed and I am not forgotten. God, you are good to those who hope in you. Jesus, you are the Lord of all salvation. These, these altars are open right now. In this place, we're going to sing. We invite you, everyone in the room, everybody watching and listening, sing, worship God. But we also invite you to just speak out. Confess what you're feeling right now. Confess the darkness you're going through. Confess that heartache. Confess it. Confess it. But also, but also, say what you know to be true about God. Say what you know to be true about God. Friend, if you know anything about God, say it out loud. If you don't know anything about God, say, God, I don't know you, but I want to know you. And friend, I know that this is the moment where you're going to learn something about him that you never knew before. Father, I pray for all my friends watching, listening online. I pray for revival to hit their hearts. I pray for new life to hit their hearts. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would find the root to their problem, God, and that they would make a change in their life. I pray, Lord, that they would call out to you. I pray, Lord, that they would realize that what they're feeling is valid and that they are loved by you and that they are loved by the church. In Jesus' name, take us in your arms, God. Bring healing to us, God. Lord, I pray, God, for revival in us. I pray for good things in us. 
in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's talk to God. If you want prayer in this place, I want to pray with you. If you want to look me in the eyes and tell me what you're feeling, I'm going to listen to you. In Jesus' name, let's be together right now. Hallelujah. Let's be together, church. Yes. I was lost when he brought me his love. Oh, his love
turning, no turning. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, a God who loves broken people like me. A God who loves knuckleheads like me. A God who is faithful to the faithless like me. He is so good. What is man that you would be mindful of him? And the son of man that you would visit it, that you would visit him. God is both mindful and a visitor of us. There was a time in my life where the Lord both revealed both things to me. I was, he just told me so simply, he said, you're the first thing on my mind. You're what I always think about. And I felt him visit me in that moment. Who am I that he would treat me like that? But he does. He's so wonderful. Marshall's about to come, but before he comes, I want to tell you something. I felt the Lord talk to me about last Sunday morning. Last Sunday morning, I was driving in the car and I had one of those scary thoughts. Anybody have a scary thought? You everybody live with scary thoughts sometimes? And like, what are you doing, brain? Why are you thinking about that? There's a scary thought we had those. Well, just One of the scary thoughts that really gets to me is the final moments of somebody's life dying in trauma. Some of the darkest thoughts that come into my mind. A fire. Drowning. The panic of being attacked in some way. The final moments in a car wreck. These are awful dark moments and I'm driving. Driving and I have these thoughts come into my heart and my mind. And then I thought about other people I know that their loved one is going through cancer. Their loved one's going through such a heartache. Uh, and a struggle that the the medicine says, huh, we've done all we know to do. We we're uh, we don't know what else to do. And in that moment, I felt I felt this truth come into my heart. I feel like it wasn't just just true. I felt like it was a complete truth, not just true, but a complete truth. And I I thought of somebody who might soon go to be with the Lord. And I pictured them in my mind. I saw them say these words. They said, Don't think about my last moments. Think about my next moments. I'm just driving on I-75 and I felt the peace of the Lord just run through like an air conditioner, which you definitely need this time of year. But you know that feeling where the Lord just kind of just goes whoosh through the room. I felt that so strongly. And I, that gave me our hope. That gave me such hope. Here's the hope. The, the awful things like death. The awful things like trauma. The awful things like a house fire. These things are truly bad. They're truly bad, but they're incomplete. 
if your next moments are with the Lord. If your next moments are with the Lord. The Bible has a verse about this, isn't it? We cannot compare our earthly problems. Our earthly problems are but what? Oh, very good. Thank you. Our earthly problems are but like light afflictions compared with the glory that is to come. Light afflictions. It's still an affliction. It's still painful. It still hurts. But when you compare it to the next moments in heaven, when you compare it to the next moments of seeing Jesus, that is but a light affliction you walk through. And that, that gave me such hope. And I know that's for someone a specific uh, that is not here. I'm supposed to tell them those words. I'm going to tell them those words, but also felt to tell you those words. And life is like that. You go through this problem and the problem is, it's not our job to make the problem nothing. It is our job to magnify God that he is so much bigger than the problem. He's better than the problem. Even if the problem is, the, is what sends you to your grave, that it ultimately loses its grasp on you when the Lord himself rips you up out of this grave and takes you up to be with him forever. And that's what our hope is. That's where our hope is. In Jesus' name, I love you guys. God bless you. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.